0: If you believe there are miracles in this house, come on. If you really believe that there's a miracle waiting for somebody in this house, I want you to give God glory. Come on, clap your hands and lift your voice in one accord this morning. Come on, there are miracles in this house. There's deliverance for somebody in this house this morning. There's salvation for somebody in this house this morning. Come on, do you believe it? Come on, do you really believe it this morning? If you believe it, why don't you praise Him like you believe it? Why don't you praise Him like it's your miracle? Why don't you praise Him like it's your salvation? Why don't you praise Him like it's your deliverance this morning? praise God, I really believe, I really, truly believe that there is a miracle for somebody in this place. I I don't know what you came needing. I don't know what kind of miracle that it is that you need God to perform. I I don't really know the background, but I'm here to tell you that God knows and that God is here this morning to meet your need. I've said it before, maybe you come giving it one more try or maybe you come this morning because there was nowhere else that you knew where to turn and things are going bad in your life and bad situations and bad problems and maybe that you came this morning just saying God, I just need one word from you today. I just need one word from you today so that I can be able to walk on in life. Well, God sent me here to tell you that He knows where you're at, He knows what you are in need of. Come on, somebody, help me. He knows what you need, and He is able to perform it this morning. Today is somebody's day. Today is somebody's day. I want you to turn to three people around you, look at them and say, today may be your day. Today may be your day. Mm. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Wow, what a great crowd that we have this morning. Give yourselves a hand for being in the house of God. We're so honored that you're here. I want to turn your attention to two scriptures, two passages of scripture, Mark chapter 10 and then we'll go down to Romans chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 verse 49. If you have it, shout amen. And the Bible says, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him, be of Good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Everybody say, he came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Or what is it that you need? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. You see, this blind man heard that Jesus was coming down by this way, and he he positioned himself such as that when Jesus would come walking by, that he cried, Jesus, have mercy on me, because he knew that there was only one that could give him his sight. And he cried, and they tried to silence him. And Jesus calls, and Jesus asks him, What is it that you need me to do? And he said that I received my sight. Verse number 52, and Jesus said unto him, he said, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Romans 10, verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have ye not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. I want to preach to you for the next few moments on this subject. Faith has a sound. Faith has a sound. Would you put your Bibles down, your devices down? Would you raise your hands to heaven right now? And would you ask God to speak into your heart this morning? Come on, would you ask him, would you lift your voice and ask him, God, would you speak into my life this morning? God, we need you. God, we pray right now that your word would go forth and it would accomplish that for which you have sent it. Let it not rest on deaf ears, God, but open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you are saying to your church this morning. God, speak into every life and into every home and into every family and every situation right now. In the name of Jesus, and we'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Now, somebody help me magnify him. Somebody help me magnify the Lord in this house. God, we worship you. We worship you. Thank you. If you're going to preach with me, you may be seated. If not, well, you do what you need to do. Paul, the Apostle Paul instructed us in our text that we read that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God because faith has a sound. Let me stop and pause for just a moment and say that we must be careful to not allow things of a negative nature Or we must be careful to not allow the enemy to affect what we hear. There are a lot of voices in the world today that are speaking a lot of different things. They're telling people that things are are bad and they'll only get worse. Or they're saying that things are at the very bottom and they couldn't possibly go any lower. And so we listen to those voices and we listen to the enemy that sends those messengers into our lives. And we allow the negativity to to, uh, set into our minds. And then pretty soon, if all we're hearing is negativity, then soon we're going to start speaking negativity. We've got to be careful not to allow things of a negative nature to affect what we hear. And we must understand That faith has an adversary. In fact, faith has many enemies this morning. But faith has an adversary. And though there are many, the two greatest enemies of faith are facts and feelings. If the facts can say something different than what we believe that God told us, or if the enemy could allow us or cause us to go by what we feel, then he's got us right where we wants us. And I hope that before I'm done preaching this morning, I hope that I can convince someone to go beyond facts and to go by on what it is what you're feeling. Because if God said it, it doesn't matter what enemy comes against you. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to speak into your ear. But if God said it, then it's going to come to pass. Not only did Paul pen these words in Romans that I read into your hearing a few moments ago, but if we back up in Romans chapter 4, the Apostle Paul gives us insight. To what faith is when it's turned to righteousness. Because Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before he whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which are not as though they were. And against hope, who against hope, believing in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his only bo- his, his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither... Yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He's speaking about uh, about uh, the, the the about Sarah having a child in her own age. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving God the glory, and being f- fully persuaded that when he had what he had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. What Paul was speaking. About was that God gave a promise, and because man, he refused to act upon his the facts or his own feelings, but rather he was persuaded that if God said it, no matter what the facts were, and no matter what the feelings were telling him, God could do it. We are so we are so controlled by the natural. That we allow the natural to control the supernatural. We give undue props and praise to what's going on around us, what's going on in our environment, what's going on in our homes and the struggle that we're facing. But I come to preach to somebody today that we that we forget that there is a God. And no matter what it looks like, God can do it. No matter what it feels like, God can do it. When God steps in, things change, and I refuse to allow facts and what I feel to control my faith because my faith is fueled by what I've already heard God say I'm not going to allow my feelings I'm not going to allow my feelings to affect what God spoke to me And I'm not going to allow what I see in the world going on around me. Maybe even in my own family or in my own home or in my own relationships. I'm not going to allow that to affect what God spoke to me. Because if God gave you a promise, if God spoke into your life, then you can take it to the bank. God's going to show up and he's going to do exactly what he said he would do. Somebody needs to give God praise for that right now. God can do it. God can do it. God can do it. We often pray. We often pray for the heart of God. We want to draw closer to God and we pray things like, God, give me your heart. But I want to tell you today that if you really want the heart of God, then we must be able to hear God because here is 80% of heart. I said, here is 80% of heart. And Jesus said... My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I am absolutely convinced this morning that the fact that, the fact that our ability to endure and stay in the hand of God is simply predicated on what we hear. With scriptures like that, that, when he says that no man can pluck you out of my hand, that when the enemy comes against you and he tries to put stumbling blocks in front of you and he tries to draw you out of the hand of God, you just need to stand upon the, upon the word of God and say, God said that no man can pluck me out of his hand. And if no man can do it, enemy, you'll never be able to remove me. You want to make it, you want to make it in these trying days, you want to make it in these dark days, you've got to be able to hear what God is saying. You want your faith increased, you've got to be able to hear what God is saying. Our faith is fueled by the Word of God, not just by the written Word of God, but by the spoken Word of God. Our faith is fueled by what God has spoken to us. Somebody say, I'm glad he speaks to me. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but what? But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Listen to me this morning. I'm preaching it the best way that I know how. Our faith is determined by what we hear. Our faith is determined not by what we see and not by what we feel but our faith is determined by what we hear God speaking to us. If God said your family's going to be saved then your family's going to be saved. If God said that you're going to be saved then you're going to be saved. If God said I'll break those chains of addiction in your life, then you can just rest assured that those chains are going to be broken because if God said it, He will do it. I find it interesting that Matthew 4 and 4 is planted right in the middle of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Maybe It was that God was relating temptation to the fact that if we ever want to overcome temptation, we better have spent some time in prayer when we're not the only one talking, but God is talking to us. The enemy calls him away into the wilderness. And he starts tempting him in the middle of a fast. Some of us know what we what he's relating to. In the middle of the fast, he says, Come on, if, you, if you're really God, then call those stones to be made bread. If you're God, why don't you go ahead and cast yourself down and the angels will catch you, and the angels will pick. He starts he starts playing with the mind of Jesus. Listen to me right now. The enemy would love to draw us away and begin to tempt us and begin to tell us all sorts of things that it's it's never going to happen. You're always going to be sick. You're always going to struggle and it's going to take you out. This is the final straw and you can't take anymore. This is going to take you out. But when those times of temptation and in those times of struggle you need to have the gumption to stand up in the face of the enemy. Stand up in the face of the adversary and say that's not what God said. Because my God told me he would never put any on me that I I wasn't able to bear. His word said that by his stripes. By his stripes, I am healed. We need some people who will make up in their minds that will say, I, I'm going to listen to what God says because faith has a sound. Everybody shout, faith has a sound. Have you ever been around Somebody. It's always talking. Oh, Lord. You, you ever been around somebody who's a, who's a uh, self-proclaimed expert on every subject? Oh, yeah, everybody's laughing because you know somebody. Don't laugh because you might be somebody. <laughs> you ever been around those people? They, they, they know everything. They know everything about everything. They always have something to say. You can't, you can't talk on a subject without them interjecting, and they know more about the subject than you do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're always talking. They have, always have something to say. You can never get a word in edgewise because they are self-proclaimed experts on that subject. Several years ago, I was on the phone with a sales manager of a, of a large uh, company, and uh, we were talking, and just like, maybe I'm one of those people. Maybe I'm always talking. Because every, every time it seemed, I didn't hear myself, but every time that he was saying something, I was interjecting. Yeah, uh-huh, right, yep, mm-hmm, yep, oh, yep, I understand what you're saying. And he finally, Brother Jerry, interrupted me. He said, listen, you don't always have to have something to say. He said, you don't always have to interject. You don't always have to interrupt somebody. Sometimes you just need to listen to what is being said. Listen, when we're doing a lot of talking, when we're 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 communicating with God and we're doing all the talking and we 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 are we're, we're, we're uh, propositioning him with everything, God, do this, God, do that. God, I'm facing this. I don't really know what to do. If we're all always doing the talking, then we're not doing any listening. Because if you want God to answer, then you got to spend some time Listening. Sometimes we've got to pray until we're not the only one talking. Sometimes we've got to pray until we are the one that's doing all the listening. If we're ever going to make it in these last days, we're going to have to be able to hear what God is saying to us. God will speak into situations that look impossible and say, just hold on. If you could just hold on a little while longer. God will speak and trust and say, don't give up yet, but keep praying, keep fasting, keep worshiping, keep believing. God is about to speak into somebody's situation this morning. If you could just hold on and listen to what God is saying. Listen to what He's saying. In Genesis chapter 27, the Bible tells a a tale of deception. It tells us the story of Esau and of Jacob. Isaac, their father... Is on his deathbed. The Bible says that he was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see. And the Bible tells us that Jacob, that Isaac rather, loved his eldest son Esau, the heir to his father's blessing. But his wife Rebekah loved Jacob. Rebecca wanted Jacob wanted Isaac's blessing for her favorite son Jacob and she wanted she she couldn't understand why it would it, it would be esau but why not jacob and, and and rebecca couldn't handle it and isaac called for esau who was a hunter the bible tells us and said go out and get some venison it's my favorite and make me a meal that i may eat and bless you before i die so being the the Oldest son and the heir to the blessing. He goes off to hunt and to get venison for his father. And Rebekah overheard the conversation and was consumed with jealousy, knowing that Esau had gone out to carry out his father's last wishes. And, and she called for Jacob and told him, I hear, I heard your father speaking to Esau. And she said, Go quickly. And kill two goats. And I will make a meal of the meat. And we'll cover your arms with the skins of those goats. And make you feel as though you are Esau. And your father can't see. But as long as you can feel like Esau, you should be okay. As long as we can just pull the wool over his eyes. As long as you feel like him. Your father will give you the blessing. You can put on Esau's clothes and you'll smell like him. And your father will never know because you'll smell like him and you'll feel like him. And after the meal was prepared, Jacob goes into Isaac and says, Dad, I'm here. I brought what you asked for. And the deception begins. Isaac couldn't see the deception taking place, but it was happening. Isaac said, Come closer. He said, come closer. He said, you feel and you smell like Esau. The food smells right. You feel right. You smell right. But you sound like your brother. You don't, you feel like him. It appears that you are he. It appears your arms are hairy like your brother." And I can smell, your smell smells like your brother, but you sound like Jacob. Hear what I'm preaching to you this morning. People will always, who always go by their feelings, will sell their birthright out. They will allow something to come and steal what rightfully, doesn't rightfully belong to them because they are going by what they feel and not by what they hear. It doesn't matter what you feel like because feelings will deceive you and your feelings can be a deception. But faith is always a heaven penetrator. You can't go by what you feel. you got to go by what you hear. Because your feelings can detour you from the voice of God. Your feelings can cause you to walk away from God and cause you to walk away from what God is trying to say to you. I've come to preach to somebody this morning. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how impossible it may feel. And I don't care how impossible it may look. It may feel and it may smell good. It may feel right. It may smell right. But it doesn't sound right. When the the enemy comes to you and he tries to convince you, it may look right. And it may feel right. But it doesn't sound right. Because the enemy will never be able to replace the voice of the The living God. If God said it, if God said it, if God promised it to you, then you can stand upon it because God will bring it to pass. I'm not concerned with what it feels like, but I want to know what is God saying? What does it sound like? Come on. If it's not the voice of God, then you don't need to listen to it. If it's not God speaking to you, then you don't listen to it. Because it's deception trying to come in and deter you from what God told you. You need to stand upon the word of God and say, I claim it. I'm going to stand up on it. Because it sounds like the voice of God. be seated. Jeremiah said it like this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What he was talking about was feeling. If you go by what you feel, you will be led away wickedly. But I choose to have my faith be nurtured by what I hear. I choose for my faith to be fed by what God has spoken into my life. Listen to me. Facts and feelings will get you into trouble. Let me say that again. Facts and feelings will get you into trouble. God, can you really do this? God, are you really able? God, do you have enough power? God, do you have enough strength? God, it looks impossible because feelings and facts will get you into trouble. What the prophet was saying in 2 Kings chapter 7, he's looking at the king and saying, the king looked at the prophet and he said, if God... Open the windows of heaven, if God opened the floors of heaven, that couldn't happen. Because facts and feelings will not testify to what God can do. Facts and feelings will never give credence to what God is able to do. Your facts... The facts that you see and the things that you feel will never support what God can do. Because when the doctor calls and you pick up that phone call and the doctor says, there's nothing that I can do. The doctor says you're going to live with this the rest of your life, and you may even die in this situation. The facts and the feelings don't match up with what God can do, but I'm here to tell you that the doctor is not the final say. i got to tell you that the, the, the enemy is not the final say. What you feel is not the final say, but it's when God begins to speak, when God begins to give you a word, then you can stand upon that word. And it doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You're not always going to be bound. You're not always going to be lost. Your lost family is not always going to be lost. But they are going to be saved. Because it doesn't matter what the facts and the feelings testify to. There isn't person in this building that hasn't at one time or another had to praise God when you didn't feel like it. Not a person in this building that hadn't had to give somebody an encouraging word when you really thought I don't know. Not a person in this building that maybe there are are people in this building, let me say it this way that hasn't laid your hand on somebody's head and tried to pray a prayer of faith but in your mind you're like but it looks bad it feels bad i don't i, I don't there's not a person in this building that hasn't had to, to pray or to encourage or, or be encouraged when you didn't feel like it there's a person who hadn't had to believe god when it didn't feel good or there's a person that didn't have to believe god when the evidence didn't support what you felt or what God said, we sit back and we act like the enemy has the ability to take what God has spoken to us. But I am telling you, I don't care what you see. I don't care what you feel like. I don't care what the facts look like. God has all power and all authority. And can, he can do what he said he would do. He has the power to heal. He has the power to to save. He has the power to deliver. I don't care what I feel or what I see, but I care about what God is saying to me. Come on, would you lift your hands in this building right now? Come on, would somebody lift your voice right now? Come on, would you ask God to help us this morning? Oh God, speak into every life. God encouraged Somebody today, let somebody know, God. It doesn't matter what they feel like or what it looks like. But, God, you are working on their behalf. Somebody cry out to the Lord right now. Come on, somebody cry out to the Lord right now. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 glory. I don't care what it looks like and I don't care what it feels like. If we are not careful, if we're not careful, we'll let the enemy kill every dream we've got. We'll let the the enemy kill every dream that God has given us. Can you imagine what happened that day when Joseph told his brothers about the dream that he had? He told them how they were going to bow down to him not only them, but their entire family. I, I can imagine Jacob, his father, pulling Joseph to the side and saying, Joseph, you don't have to tell everything that you know, son. Are there any parents that know what I'm talking about? You pull your kids to the side and say, you don't have to tell everything that you know. But I, I imagine that he said, oh, oh Joseph, sometimes you just got to learn to stay silent. You don't have to tell it all. You don't have to tell this stuff, Joseph. I can imagine I can imagine, and you know the story that Joseph is telling his family about his big dreams, and his brothers get angry with him, and they talk about killing him, but instead they sell him into slavery. They sell him into the house of Potiphar in the land of Egypt. But but how they were going to convince their, their, their father that Joseph had been killed Was that they were going to dip Joseph's coat in goat's blood And they were going to take it back to their father They were going to take that coat And they were going to show their father And they were going to say We, we were able to get his coat, dad But Joseph, Joseph is gone A beast must have killed him when he was in the field We found his coat, dad But there's nothing left of him There's nothing left They were presenting the facts, to their father. They were presenting that coat that had been torn and had blood that was supposedly Joseph's blood all over it. And instead of investigating, though, Jacob believed what he saw. Instead of going and investigating for himself, he was willing to to take what was being told to him. He was willing to accept the facts of what he was seeing. You see, sometimes facts are fiction, and fiction are facts. Sometimes what you're being showed Sometimes what the enemy is showing you and what he's trying to convince you of is nothing more than fiction. If he could just get you to believe that the fiction is fact. If he could just get you to believe that that sickness is just a fact and it's always going to be that way. If he can just get you to believe the fiction, uh, of you're always going to be bound by that addiction, then that fiction becomes a fact in your life. But sometimes we need to look at the devil and say in the midst of our impossible situation and declare that doesn't sound like what God said I know I'm weak right now, but God said his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I know I'm under it right now, but God said I will never put more on you than what you are able to bear. Come on, somebody help me preach today. I know I feel like the waves are going to swallow me up, but God said that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard against him. I know it looks like my family will never be saved, but God said for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It matters. It matters. It matters what God says because God is greater than what I see or what I feel. Greater. Be seated. Quickly drawn to a close this morning. I recently heard a story that moved me to the deepest part of my heart. I heard a story about a boy who was raised by godly parents in a godly home. But somewhere along the way, he walked away from God. And he decided that he didn't want to live for God anymore. But his parents never kicked him out of, his ha- of their house. But they did everything that they knew to do to get him to come back to church and come back to the lord they tried to make him go but he refused to go while the boy was out partying till late at night after done, doing everything that they knew to do the dad this moved me so deeply pastor the dad would take a pillow and a blanket he refused to go to bed until he knew his son was safe at home. So his dad would take a pillow and a blanket. He would lay it there in front of his son's door that was closed. His son wasn't inside. His son's out doing whatever he wanted to do. But that dad would lay on that floor, and he began begin to cry out to the Lord, God, would you touch my son? God, would you save my son? Would you move on his heart and bring him back? God, whatever you got to do, if I got to lay here all night, if I got to lay here all week and all year, I'll lay here all week and all year. And I'm praying for my son. God, would you please, would you please save my son? Every night. When that boy would come home from his riotous living in order to get in his room he had to step over that dad who was there laying in intercession and pleading the blood over his boy because there was a dad who refused to let his son be lost. There was a dad that refused to accept what it felt like and what what it, it, it looked like. And I'm here to preach to some moms and dads today. You're here and you need to get the attitude that that dad had and say, if my kids go to hell, they're going to have to step over me to get there because I'm not giving up without a fight. They're going to have to step over me praying. They're going to have to step over me being faithful to the house of God. They're going to have to step over me worshiping. They're going to have to step over me because I refuse to let my family go to hell on my watch. Come on, some some parents in this place need to stand right now and throw your hands in the air and say, I refuse to accept what I see. I refuse to accept what I feel because it's not what God said. God said that my family is going to be saved, and I stand upon the promises of God. Come on, somebody cry out to the Lord right now. not the end of the story. Finally, his parents you may be seated, his parents got him to agree to come to a Wednesday night revival service. The preacher preached and told him specifically that if you don't get your life right tonight in just a few days you're going to die lost. The boy at altar service, he ran to the altar and he prayed back through and God refilled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But that was on a Wednesday night and on a Friday night He was supposed to go to a concert with his buddies, but instead he decided to go to church. He went back to church. And on their way home from that concert, every one of his friends that were in that car were killed in a tragic car accident, but his life was spared because of a dad who refused to let his son be lost. Somebody needs to say, I know what the facts say. I know how I feel, but it's not what God said. God sent this preacher here to tell you that your family is going to be safe, so don't stop praying. God said it, and it's going to happen. You have to be able to get past by what you see and what you feel and Stand on what God has said. You know, you know why we have such a hard time breaking through in prayer? It's because too often we are only going as far. As our emotions will go, we're only going as far as our feelings and the facts. But sometimes you got to be willing to go further than the tears will go. Sometimes you got to say, I don't feel like it, and I prayed it so long that it's becoming repetitive. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyhow. I don't see God moving, but I know He's going to move. I don't know what to do but i know that if i do nothing then nothing is what is exactly what's going to happen but i've got to keep doing it until there is a breakthrough i've got to keep believing in god until there is a breakthrough i've got to keep believing what god said until something happens I've got to do it i got to do it i'm closing this morning prophet Elijah stood before Ahab and said, give us two bullocks and let the 450 prophets of Baal take one and cut it into pieces and put it on wood and put it on the altar with no fire under it. And I'll take the other bullock and I'll dress it and I'll lay it on wood with no fire. And he says, let the prophets of Baal call on their gods and I will call on the Lord. And he says, "In the God who answers by fire, let him be God." The prophets of Baal begin to pray and to chant to their gods, but nothing happened. And here sits Elijah on the side, and he's watching as the 450 prophets can't get their gods to even respond. And the Bible says that. Elijah began to mock them, saying, maybe he's asleep. You might want to cry louder, and you might need to wake him up. And they cried louder, and they began to cut themselves, the Bible says. Anything to get their gods to answer. But he never, they never answered. And the Bible says that they cried out until evening, and there was neither voice nor an answer. But when it was his turn, Elijah started rebuilding an altar. He took 12 stones and put the wood across them, and he took a shovel and he dug a trench around that altar. Not the measure of one seed, but that would hold two measures of seed. And he cut up the bullock into pieces and he placed it on the altar. And he told the people, fill four barrels of water. It was the most precious commodity in that day because they were in the middle of a drought. They had been in a drought for over three years. And he told them to pour the water on the sacrifice. And he told them to refill the barrels again and pour it out. And they told him a third time to fill them again and pour them out. Twelve barrels of water until the trench was full. Then the Bible tells us that Elijah prayed a simple little prayer. He took more time. Hear me right now. He took more time building the altar than he did praying. The altar represented what he was willing to give. The altar represented how much that he believed that God would answer his prayer. And God said at that moment, if you believe me that much, if you will spend that much time building me an altar, when you begin to pray, I will send the fire down from heaven. And the Bible says that when he prayed that God sent the fire. And the fire not only consumed the sacrifice, but it also consumed the wood. It also consumed the stones and the dirt that was around the altar. And it consumed the water that was in the trench that, that Elijah dug. Then Elijah said to Ahab, get up, eat, and drink. For I hear... The sound of abundance of rain. Now remember, it had not rained in over three years. Not a drop of water. And Elijah said, You better go. You better prepare yourself. You better eat. You better drink. You better get full. Because I'm telling you right now, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Mind you, the lightning had not flashed yet. The thunder had not started rolling. Nobody else could hear what Elijah was hearing. And he said to his servant, go up and look and tell me what you see. Go up and get a good view on the horizon and tell me what you see. We know the story. He had to get, he, he had to get up on top to be able to see. And we know, we know that the, the, the servant came back to Elijah. And Elijah said, what do you see? servant had to say I don't see anything what do you mean what do you mean what do you mean there's nothing I I, I can still hear it go up and look again go up and look again and he makes his way up and he looks and he comes back again I, I, I don't I don't see anything Elijah's saying, I I know there isn't a cloud in the sky. I I know there's no lightning yet and there's no thunder, but I can't help what I hear. He said, go up, go up and look again. And again, he comes back. He comes back and he says, there ain't nothing, Elijah. And Elijah says, I I know it doesn't line up with with, with what I'm hearing. I know you can't see it, but I can hear. I can hear the rain. I, I, I can hear it in the distance. I don't know how long it took. I don't know. I don't know how, how much time elapsed, but time was surely ticking away of all the trips the servant was making and he come back and reporting that he didn't see anything. Doubt at this moment, no doubt, was creeping in, and fear and confusion are setting in because nothing's happened. Because the servant is being sent to look for something that someone else is hearing. The servant is being sent to look for something that that God told somebody else. Seven times, the Bible tells us the servant goes up based on what Elijah was hearing, and on the seventh time, when Elijah says, "What do you see?" the servant said, "Well, don't get your hopes up, Elijah. Don't 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 start. Don't break out the umbrella yet. Don't put the rain slicker on yet." It's not much. I don't see much, but I see a cloud. It's the size of a man's hand. It doesn't look like there's an abundance in it, but maybe, 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 Elijah, that's what you're hearing. It's way out there on the horizon. I can barely see it, but Elijah, it is a small cloud. I don't know if there's rain in it, but I can see a cloud. I don't know if it's going to work. But I I can see a cloud. I've come to preach to you today and tell you that if one prodigal has prayed through, then you ought to say that's enough sign. Uh, that mine is going to pray through. If one person has ever been healed of a disease that's enough sign to say I'm going to go ahead and believe God for my healing because it's not about what I see. It's not about what I feel but it's about what I hear and today you may come saying "I I don't see much over the horizon but there's a preacher in this pulpit right now saying I hear the sound of abundance to rain. You may not see it right now. It may not feel like it right now, but I hear it coming. I hear the word of the Lord. What you don't understand is that you're going to have to look for what you hear. It's going to take an effort on your part. How many calves did the father have to fatten before his son the prodigal came home? See, some people just have enough faith to take God and His word. And I've come to tell somebody that it's gonna happen today. Today is the day for somebody to receive what God has spoken into your life. You wanna to run to this altar right now, and you wanna lift both hands to heaven, and you wanna lift your voice and say, God, I hear it. I hear it, I don't see it, I don't feel it, but I hear it. He never stops. He never stops. When he promises you it, he goes to work. And he never stops until it comes to pass in his time. Come on, somebody stand on the word of God. Somebody begin to declare the word of God over your family. Begin to declare the word of God over your situation. Come on, somebody stand upon the word of God by his stripes. I am healed.
1: Never stop you never stop. You never stop come on, somebody cry out Either to the Lord this morning. It, no come on, Even if God I promised it, it, it to
0: you, if God spoke it to stop. you, it you will, come to, it will you come to pass. It will come to pass, not in never your timing, but in again. God's timing. Even come on, you will be I delivered. It, no you will be healed. Again. Your children Even will be saved.
1: You're Come on, never there is going to be a great revival. There is going to be a mighty outpouring of the never Holy Ghost. Even when I don't see it, Come on, God, never will, forgive stop, you. never God will forgive you. God will forgive
0: you. Your sins will be washed it, away in baptism. I
1: don't fear it,
0: You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop. Even again. when. Even, even when I can't, I can't see it, you work. Even when I can't see it, work again. you, you work You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You
1: never stop working.
0: The Bible tells us that the Lord put the prophet in the valley full of dry bones. And the Lord asked him the question. He said, can these bones live? The prophet looked at it and said, Lord, why, why are you asking me? You, you know. He said, can these bones live? The prophet said, Lord, only you know. He said, I want you to start prophesying to what is around you. He said, prophet, I want you to start speaking things that are not as though they were. And the Bible says that when the prophet began to prophesy... When he began to speak to those bones, those bones began to shake and those bones began to quake and all of a sudden those bones that had been there for no telling how long, they were even bleached by the sun, they had been there so long that they came back and where there were no tendons, tendons began to form and sinews began to form and all of a sudden those bones that were just loose and laying around all over the place begin to begin to come back together and life was giving back to those dry bones this morning. Whatever it is, that is in your life. If it's your lost family, if it's your your health, if if it's your finances, whatever it is, I want us to begin to prophesy to what is dead around us. It looks dead. It feels dead. It seems impossible. But the moment that you begin to prophesy to it, maybe it's revival. Maybe it's your family. Whatever it is, I want you to throw your hands up in the air right now. And I want you to Call it by name and begin to prophesy. I will be healed. They will be saved. They will be delivered. I will be delivered. I don't have to be addicted the rest of my life because God is about to deliver me. Go ahead. Lift your voice. Speak it out this morning. Begin to to prophesy.